fear is always a spirit. There is always a spirit behind fear. So fear is not something that we want to keep. Fear is not something that we want to tolerate in our lives. Believers should have zero tolerance for fear. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. I want to start today with Luke chapter 4 as we get into the second part regarding deliverance from the spirit of fear. And in verse 16, while you're still turning to it, I'm going to go ahead and start to read. Well, I'll start in verse 15. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is Jesus making a personal application of this passage. There are so many places in the Bible where individuals made personal application of of Scripture. And we have a complete authority to do that. And this is important to see this. Jesus is taking this passage and applying it to himself. And um, we are also sons of God. Can you say amen? And we can also take Scripture and apply it to us. Why? Because we're sons of God. We're children of God. Notice in verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And you know what? You can say that too. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And just say that. Say it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, upon me for what? Jesus says, because he anointed me. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That word there means the needy. It means those who need it. And how many of you know everybody needs it? He has sent me, praise God, to proclaim release to the captives. Aren't you glad that Jesus made a personal application of this word? That he actually knew that this was speaking of him. And he even stood up in this synagogue and had the boldness to have as the attendant handed to him the scripture and to begin to find this place in order to read this to the people. See, this was a real event that happened. He actually was standing in a synagogue and reading this passage of scripture to the people that were there. And he had the boldness, say the boldness, boldness. 
He had the boldness to say, He has sent me. Now you see what God wants to do and what God wants to impart in your life today. And I hope before you leave, something will be imparted. We're not just here just to instruct. We're also here to impart. We're going to impart to you the things that we're instructing. And I will tell you today that there is a, just as Jesus said this, there is an anointing upon me and there's an anointing upon us here today to have an impartation from God, not just instruction from God, but an impartation from God of what he is saying right here. You will receive an impartation as you reach out in the Spirit today. So we're not just here just to hear a word. We're here to receive an impartation. And He has sent me to proclaim release, to preach deliverance. It says in the King James, to preach deliverance to the captives. Or all it says in this translation, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And it says after that, and he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them today, today, everyone say today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hallelujah. And you see, this very thing that God is saying here about Jesus is something that we need to do as well. And we need to say, this scripture is being fulfilled today in me. Hallelujah. And when you receive what God has said in the word of God, it can be fulfilled in you today. And that means that God is saying that he is, that the spirit of the Lord is upon you and that he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the needy, to whoever needs it. And he has sent you to proclaim release, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set people free and recovery of sight to the blind. You see, that's why we do this preaching. He said to preach. Preaching is to open our eyes because the things that we uh, are bound with, we are bound because our eyes are closed. Because we're blinded. Because Jesus has come as a light, the Bible says, he has come as the light, but Satan has blinded the eyes of them which believe not. And so there are areas in every one of our lives that we are have blindness in, that we do not understand, and so God has sent his word And he has sent preachers, he has sent anointed teachers, he has sent anointed ministers to go forth to preach this word in order to be a light so that the light can come on inside of you. As I've been saying for several weeks, and I've been saying on the radio program so frequently, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, word abide means what? To live. Abide in my word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But you see, it's not the truth that sets anybody free. It's what we know of the truth. And the fact of the matter is, there's so much in this word that we need to have the blinders come off about. We need the light to become in and to break the darkness. To break the darkness so that we will suddenly, and that's what the Bible says in another place. It talks about God sending the light and suddenly, and suddenly that they're, they're, the darkness 
would be exposed. And the Bible talks about exposing the deeds of darkness. Well, light is what exposes, exposes the deeds of darkness. So God sends his light to open up our eyes. How many of you know when a, a, a baby is born, it's born blind? Well, you see, when we're born again, we're born again, we're alive, but we're blind. And so there's some things that we need to understand. We need the Spirit of the Lord to come in to explain. And it doesn't matter what your age is. Can you say amen? amen. Because whether you're 10 and born again or whether you're 90, born again at the age of 90, the light still has to come in and to show you things that you've been blinded to. Now, how many of here will be honest here and say that even though I've been a born-again Christian, there's things that I've been blinded to? And I need to have my eyes opened. And you see, that's what this is all about. This is about the Lord sending His Spirit and revelation in order to open up our eyes. Isn't that exciting? He doesn't leave us in our blindness. And what we're talking about here today in a specific application of this, preach deliverance to the captives. You know, the Bible says that fear hath torment. The Bible says that fear brings a snare so that we're actually bound by fear. And fear has torment. Fear is a terrible, terrible thing. And uh, it will absolutely limit your life. And we're going to talk about that more here as this progresses and how it limits our life in a specific way in which fear limits our life. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, says the Lord in Scripture. Ephesians 4 Bible College offers 300 cutting-edge, customized, online degree and certificate programs to help you meet that biblical exhortation. Competitive, affordable, pay-as-you-go tuition rates. Learn more at Ephesians4.net. Well, all throughout the Bible, God told great people in the Bible, even as great as they were from Abraham and these these names that we hear in the Bible, Abraham, Hagar, Isaac, Jacob, Israel's judges, Israel, Joshua, Gideon, Daniel, Hezekiah, Ahaz, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joseph, Jesus' stepfather, the apostle Paul. To all of these people, the uh, God said, fear not. Well, you see... God had to say fear not because how many of you know our tendency is to be afraid? We fear. And fear is a natural part of the fallen nature. I don't have time to go in all that, but I think most of you know that about the story in the Garden of Eden. And the first thing we can see as a result of them sinning was fear. When God came down to fellowship with them the next day, as he, the Bible says it was his custom that they'd been down, he'd been coming down there every day to fellowship with them. Scholars tell us that in the original uh, writings here of Genesis, that um, it is actually said that when they came and God spoke to them and they ran in fear that next day after they had sinned, uh, Hebrew scholars tell us that they actually ran 16 miles before God could catch up with them. They were so afraid of him. That's what fear does. And so the first fear was a result of sin. And it's important for us to understand that. Because as we get into this, we're going to see that it's a matter of a relationship. And that that's how you get rid of fear. When you have a relationship with God, you don't have a need for any kind of fear. 
And fear is actually the opposite of the nature of God. So fear is a very terrorizing force. It's a tormenting force for which the believer must have zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. We must not allow any kind of fear in our life whatsoever. If you'll turn over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And this is talking about agape. In the agape love, that is the love that comes from God, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You talk about deliverance. What did the Bible say? That Jesus said, and them that believe in my name, they shall what? Cast out devils. They shall cast out spirits, cast out evil spirits. Well, you know what? The best way to get deliverance the strongest way, the most complete way, the way that you'll never be tormented by it again is through God's perfect love. Because God's love, God's love. Now, not man's love, but God's love. How many know in this world there's what some people called love that is not love at all? It's self-centeredness and it's abuse. And our problem is we have so many people that have been so abused by so many people that have said that they love that we don't have a concept of what true love is. But this here, friend, is talking about the agape love of God. It's not talking about the kind of love that you've experienced, the kind of love that I've experienced, the kind of love that so many people have experienced on this planet. It's not talking about a human love. Are you hearing me? It's talking about a divine love. It's talking about a love that only comes from God. It's talking about, about a love that's so pure, that is so holy, that it could never, ever even have a thought of doing you wrong. Do you understand that we don't have a concept of that kind of love? But God is saying here that that kind of love, the agape kind of love, that there's no fear in that kind of love whatsoever. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear, it says in my translation, involves punishment, and it does have that aspect to, to it in the Greek. But in the King James, it says that fear hath torment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, what does the word perfected mean? It means mature to us. I mean, it actually has that connotation of uh, perfect, as we know the word means perfect. But to us, basically here in this world we're living in here now, it really means mature. So the more you mature in God, the less and less fear that you have. The more you know the God that you serve. You see, friend, it's about a relationship with God. When you really have a relationship with God, there is no fear in it. There's no need for fear because you know your God. Remember, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. Hallelujah. And so we know this God and we know that his love is so perfect that he would never, ever, not only not do us wrong, but even allow anything bad to happen to us. If we totally have, I mean, something that is so devastating that it would destroy us. See, um, as we've talked about before, most of our fear, and even science tells us this, that most of our fear is rooted in the fear of death. We're afraid of dying. And you see, that's what happened. Do you see that? What happened there in the Garden of Eden, as I was mentioning before, that when they sinned, what actually happened there? Their relationship with God was severed. It was broken. 
And so what was the first result we see of that? We see them running in fear away from God. But aren't you so glad that God, before the foundations of the earth, before He ever made man, He already made the way of redemption. Hallelujah. He already made the provision. You know what? This didn't wasn't a thing that snuck up on God. It wasn't something that He had to come up with plan B. Hallelujah. Because He already knew that this was going to happen when He made man. But He let this had to happen because God had to be the answer to the man that He made. To say it in a very conversational way, God made us so that He can be our all and all to us. So that He can be the source of everything in our life. Do you know that's what God is really after in your life? It, to make it really simple, God is wanting to be your Father. Hallelujah. He's wanting to be a perfect Father. And you know what a perfect Father does? A perfect Father provides. A perfect Father gives. A perfect Father shares everything they have with their children. And that's the reason. And I tell this story so often in other messages. And it's quite a shock to many people. When you ask them, you know, why did God create this world? Most people really can't tell you. But you know why he created this world? And it's a shocker. Because we hear story, you know, we hear it said of God, well, he doesn't need anything. Well, you know what? The reason God created this world is because of one thing. That God had a need. God had a need. Here he was. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes, three persons, but they were all God. I'm trying to speak about something that is so high, but trying to speak of it in human terms. And it's difficult to do. But God had a need because He was God. And all three of those persons were God. But God was lonely. God was lonely. Do you think He doesn't know when we're lonely? Do you think He doesn't know what it's like? Why do you think He said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone? Why do you think He even knew that? Because God was the first one to experience desperate, dire, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching loneliness and the despair of loneliness. He knew what it was. He had a need. And that's why he created this world. And that's why he said, I'm going to create man. I'm going to make somebody that loves me. I'm going to make somebody who by their own will. You see, God had never even experienced it. As I say, you start to talk about these things and you get into such high-minded things and such lofty things, it's very hard to explain it in human terms. But God really had never experienced someone loving him out of their own free will. God had never experienced that. And so he created man. He said, I'm going to create somebody that's going to love me because they want to. Because they want to. Do you know 
Do you understand how that God looks at us and he says, You're the apple of my eye. You're the apple of my eye. I need you. God desperately. See, I started off today talking about God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why did God do that? Because God so desperately wanted fellowship, somebody to love, somebody to give love, somebody to receive love. Do you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know what? Some people are looking for somebody to love them. Will somebody hear me today? Will somebody give me their ear here today? People are so desperately wanting somebody to love them. But you know what our greatest need is? It's greater than your need to have somebody love. Do you know you have a need that's greater than to have somebody love you? And that need is for you to love somebody. I'm telling you, we underestimate. We don't know the power of that. We don't know how badly we need somebody to love. It's the most exciting thing in the world to give your love unfettered, un, um, unhindered. Why? You know what? I'm going to throw this one in. You will never have the motivation that you need to live for God by just living for yourself. You have never have the motivation you need to get rid of sin in your life, to overcome sin in your life, if you're just living for yourself. It'll never rise up to the fore. You'll never have enough motivation. But you know what? When you start laying down your life and you say, I'm going to live for, and I want to live, and I want to be the best person I can be for other people, and I want to have the power of God in my life, I want to have it unfettered, I want to have it without restriction, without hindrance in my life, and you begin to understand that the way that I get the power of God is that Jesus had is by getting the purity that Jesus had. Hallelujah. When you get the purity that Jesus had, then you'll get the power that Jesus had to go along with it. Because you see, the only thing that's hindering us from walking in the power of God. Remember, I told you before we even started this here part of this message that God has sent the Holy Spirit for us to have the power of God on the inside of us. But what hinders that? It's our own sin. And I don't mean that in a condemning way. What I mean is that sin is like kryptonite to Superman, to use a colloquial phrase. Something that you can understand, a, you know, a, a modern metaphor. It's like kryptonite to Superman. You know, it takes the power away from us. But when you start to lay down your life and the whole goal of your life is, Paul said the goal of all of our instruction is love from a pure heart. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. If we have to get that purity in our heart, then, then, then our greatest desire is to serve people in a way that can really help them and can really serve them. And when our motivation is that, hallelujah, that will motivate you, that will move you to be all that God not only wants you to be, but has already made you. Hallelujah. Enjoying this podcast? 
Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. You know what is so hard for us, I think, sometimes in this serving God? Is we, we don't know we're already sufficient. Hallelujah. We don't know we already got the God of all sufficiency living on the inside of us. In today's radio program, I did a portion talking about that He is El Shaddai. The God. That means El Shaddai. It means the God that's more than enough. Hallelujah. And it means that whatever your need is, whatever you need Him for, He's more than enough. He's more than you'll ever need. He's more than you'll ever be able to consume. He's more than you'll ever be able to use in your entire life. All put together on this earth or anywhere. He's more. He's the God that's more than enough. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad his name is not El Chipo, but it's El Shaddai? He doesn't just give you a little trickle. He doesn't just give you a little bit. He gives you the whole shebang and more. Hallelujah. He gives you everything that He is. You say, what's this got to do with fear? Well, my goodness, friend, if you need an explanation of that, then we really need to pray for you. This is all about being released from the spirit of fear. Because we've already covered some of the territory about fear. And that it, it, it is a spirit. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see, although there is an emotion that we feel when it's in us, there's an emotion of fear, but behind that emotion is a spirit. You see, do you see the relationship? You see, Jesus said to people, you are of your father, the devil. You see, there's only two fathers. There's only two progenitors. There's only Two entities from whom people come. There's only two fathers on this planet. And you see, what happened was, when, do you realize what happened? When Adam and Eve listened to the voice of the enemy, they actually received his nature. Just like we receive the divine nature from God when we're born again. They, before this ever happened, they, when they were born, all they had, see, they didn't have two natures like we now have. They only had the one. They had the nature of God. They were born out of the nature of God because they came right out of God, out of who he is. But when they sinned, they received the carnal nature. They received the same nature that Satan had. You see, the carnal, and some people will argue with this, but friend, Come on, there's only two kinds of natures. There's the an evil nature, and then there's God's nature. And the evil nature is what came from Satan. So, you see how important it is what you listen to? 
what you hear? Do you know what you listen to? You're receiving that unless you reject it by the Spirit of the Lord, even though you've heard it. You can take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. Do you know you can do that? Say, what's this got to do with fear? Just about everything. I mean, this is the whole enchilada right here. Because fear comes in through what you hear. Fear always comes in through, through, through the ears. Almost always it comes in through the ears. And it's something that you've heard. You know, unfortunately, uh, because mothers don't have this teaching, they don't have this training, they don't understand, they instill fear in their little children. Where do children hear about fear? They're not born with fear. They don't have any fear. Take a little kid. I mean, they'll, they'll go do anything because they don't have a fear. Fear is taught. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible, and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.